Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the podcast where we talk about horror movies on the list of the 200 best horror movies of all time put together by Rotten Tomatoes. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me, as always, is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm very excited about what we're talking <laughs> about today. This is a, a favorite of mine from a long time ago mm. that I actually have not watched in a very long time, and I think I'm getting old, because this movie, <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm getting old and my tastes have changed, or if just because I made the mistake of watching it while I was eating breakfast. Oh, because it, that's this a brave movie choice. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> this this yeah. is one of the grossest movies I've ever seen. And I yeah. forgot how gross it is. It was real gross. And I was uh, I was it was one of those things where it's like right before certain gags were coming. I was like, oh, I forgot. Oh, I forgot. And so I'm just I was seeing it in my head. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> the movie we're doing today is called Dead Alive also known as Brain Dead Everywhere mm-hmm. Except for the United States, is from 1992, directed by Academy Award winner Peter Jackson. Also known for his films, The Lord of the Rings trilogy and, and The, the Hobbit, Hobbit trilogy. trilogy. And Frighteners and Heavenly Creatures. And he's, he's a, he really, we could talk about him in a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's number 125 on this list. It's 88% with a 90.704 adjusted uh, score. Wow. Yeah. It's um well we can talk about the placement later but 125 is a pretty good place for it yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh have you seen this before? No. No. I had never even heard of this. Yeah. This is another I think we're developing a pattern here where I've seen the more obvious sort of mainstream ones mm-hmm. and and these weird niche ones have been all you clay. Well, yeah, this this was uh this movie was right in the pocket of when I started getting into these movies and it was like mm. I had seen um Evil Dead, I had seen Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. I'd seen, I'd, so I had gotten into the, the gorier, wackier fare. Yeah. And then this was like the B level <laughs> of those movies, and uh, which is a, a, something else I would like to talk about later. But mm-hmm. we're going to play a trailer. It's going to be a little bit different than usual because it's a very specific thing that I wanted to play. It's not the trailer. It is a ad from the movie company yes. to sell VHSs to stores. What? And I think it's fantastic. So I wanted to play it while you were here because usually you don't hear the trailer. Yeah, yeah, but I wanted yeah. you to be able to see what you were what we were listening to. Oh, awesome. I'm, so I'm very excited. We'll play that and we'll be right back. A 1993 theatrical release, Dead Alive, is the horror film critics and audiences are screaming for. Everybody should see this movie. It's the best, goriest film so far this year. Time Magazine calls it a family reunion of your bloodiest nightmares. It's really gross. And it's really disgusting, and it's really, really good. The New York Daily News calls Dead Alive the goriest fright film of all time. Brilliant. Brilliant. E! Entertainment proclaims it the most innovative horror film in years. It's like Monty Python meets George Romero. Outstanding. While the Hollywood Reporter calls Dead Alive one of the bloodiest films in cinematic history. Entertaining. In its nationwide theatrical release, the film has been backed by television advertising as well as an extensive print campaign. Publicity for the movie included a dead alive parade down New York City's Fifth Avenue that led to a gala zombie party celebrating the movie's release. Remember, 
Day of the Dead sold over 77,000 units. Witches sold 93,000 units. Graveyard Shift sold 102,000 units. The Serpent and the Rainbow sold 105,000 units. Return of the Living Dead 2 sold 105,000 units. Hellraiser 2 sold 115,000 units. Now, perfectly timed for Halloween, Dead Alive will be a must-see for every horror fan. And this movie will provide an irresistible treat for the tremendous teen audience. To ensure that Dead Alive is the hottest renter of the Halloween season, each three-pack is accompanied by an attention-grabbing Dead Alive candy dispenser with an active screaming device. P.O.P. includes a four-color poster and four-page brochure. Dead Alive is available in both its R-rated version and its even bloodier unrated version. We dare you to watch it. It's scary, it's funny, it's a roller coaster ride, it's a great time. The movie has an order date of September 21st and a street date of October 13th. So, that was uh, that was the Peter Jackson's Dead Alive VHS promo, which you should look up and you should watch because it's amazing. Um, wow. The people that they talk to are need to be seen. Um, Especially my- the guy who's missing like... All four of his front upper teeth. Yeah, 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 that guy, true fan, right there. Oh my god! Um, that uh, my favorite part is at the end when when they go through and they talk about other horror movies and yeah, how, many, how many units. Yeah, yeah, that's you know that's old school marketing. <laughs> you know, I did want to talk before we get into it that that did remind me of how much I miss video stores. Mm. I you know I know you're a few years younger than me. I can't. Mm-hmm. Were you a video store kid at all, or was that kind of like on its way out? Uh, you know, I I think it might have been in general on its way out. Mm-hmm. But in my town, we definitely we we had a we had a blockbuster and we had something else so like a, like a I want to say like Hollywood Video or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. We grew up in the same town. What we the did. Fuck yes. am I talking yeah. about? Um, blockbuster was on Route One. Yes, and uh, we had Hollywood. Well, we actually had a few. We had Hollywood Video, which was. Uh, in Cliftondale, which yeah. was like right down the street from where I lived. Yep, yep. And before that was, it eventually was a blockbuster. Mm. Before it was a blockbuster, it was Hollywood Video. Mm-hmm. And before it was Hollywood Video, there was a store across the street in a smaller place called Video Waves. Oh. And that, I wish I had been older when that place was <laughs> like in its heyday, because yeah. that was like the video store you see in the movies where it's okay. like it was a mom and pop video store it wasn't a chain oh, yeah, yeah yeah you know it was they had lots of niche stuff that was cool it was it was the kind of place where it's like one person is ordering the videos from whoever the distributor is so yeah. whatever they have is like a mix of new stuff but also like weird stuff yeah somebody, somebody's like specific niche tastes yeah and, like and dead alive like, like dead alive is the perfect <laughs> video store movie mm. where i think i actually saw it in the video store before I ever watched it, where it was one wow. of those, it's got a very unique cover where yeah, the, it's the girl pulling her like face pulling open, her mouth yeah. open, and there's the zombie sort of eyes looking. Yeah, out. which yeah. is a nice approximation of something they do in the movie, which is amazing. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but but no, to answer to answer your question, I, I think I think the line between our generations is that you remember uh, Video Wave mm. or whatever it was, and and that is not even on my radar, like. I remember the Hollywood video, and then I remember having the blockbuster. Yeah, uh, and I definitely remember when I was little, it was like a treat to get to rent right. rent a video. And then when I got a little bit older and had friends, and we had cars, we would 
like yeah we would drive to the blockbuster and, and pick, yeah. out, pick out some ridiculous shit to watch. i've spent i've spent a lot of time at video stores looking for movies like i what? feel like the closest thing we have to it now is just scrolling through netflix and it's but not satisfying it's not at satisfying all. i actually it drives me insane like when my husband and I sit down to to like watch it watch something, if we don't have something or at least an approximate idea of something we're looking for, yeah, I can't stand the scrolling. I'm just like, all right, I'll be on my phone, I'll be reading this book. I yeah. don't even care until you like. We need to narrow this down. I, I'm not the sort of person who can just like sit through the the endless Hulu or mm-hmm. Netflix or whatever your streaming service of choices. And it's weird too because it's like. Things are more um, available than they ever have been, really. Like, mm-hmm. you can, you know, between all of those services, there's a ton of stuff to choose from. Yeah. But I feel like I end up watching less stuff because of that I reason. It's almost way. too much. You're paralyzed by choice. Yeah. Yeah. And also, for me, I mean, it's the same reason that I, I got into collecting vinyl records. Uh, it's the same reason I, I still, you know, lo- love collecting comic books and stuff. I mm-hmm. just, I part of it for me is I like the hunt of things. And finding stuff and, you know, being like, oh, well, that influenced this. I have to go find that now. And, you know, yeah. it, the, the the physical nature of these things yeah. is really satisfying. Yeah. Where everything is digital. Like, the reason I started collecting vinyl records is because I used to love finding new music. And mm-hmm. now music is, it's it's weightless. There's You just go on to Spotify, you type yeah. in a band name, and you got everything right there well, in front and, of you. And Spotify will, you know, create and curate playlists for exactly. you. Exactly, yeah. Where it just, you know, puts together an algorithm based on things that you've liked in the past and what you listen to the most. And then it spits out like, here's here's 20 songs that you're going to like. Yeah. And, and typically, like, I'm I'm usually pretty appreciative of, of that because usually I do. Mm. It's a pretty accurate algorithm. But I understand what you're saying because I'm I'm definitely still like a physical book person. Right. I right. have a Kindle. I have bought a bunch of ebooks, but like that tactile response browsing through a bookstore browsing through a record shop mm-hmm. it, it, yeah it's a different experience and and it's kind of yeah it's kind of sad we don't have that for for movies and film anymore yeah and especially movies like this i think i've said it before that's kind of how i got into this stuff and i think yeah. it's how a lot of kids got into it is where it's you know you're at your friend's house yeah this, i mean this is what happened with me i'm at my friend's house and he's like have you ever seen this movie called evil dead and i'm like no and so he pulls out a, a vhs tape no case, just like a, a plain white sticker that says Evil Dead. And he's like, take this and watch <laughs> the it. ring film style. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like that. Where yeah, it's like, you don't know what you're getting so into. Yeah. And then you watch it and you feel like you've seen something you know, unique that you don't know if anybody else has seen it. Right. So then you start looking for people who have seen it and that's how you develop like friendship. introducing it to your own friends and yeah. then seeing who likes it and the yeah. people who like it and who I can who tell it. you from experience, sometimes that does not go yeah. well. <laughs> But I can I, also tell you that. <laughs> I have an amazing star, a story about, um, we're getting way off topic, but this I think this story is worth telling. Uh, my friends and I used to, uh, uh, there was a youth group at my church, mm-hmm. that, and the older kids would get together and we would watch movies every now and then. And uh, my it would generally, myself and our mutual friend Dave, mm. would end up choosing the movie because we usually had the strongest opinions. Oh, no. Well, no. <laughs> and then one time... Uh, one of the uh, the other girls in the group was 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 fed up with us always choosing the movies. So she says, I'm going to choose the movie this time. We we're like, fine, that's fine, no problem. So we go to the next person's house and she brings this movie and she puts it in and we're like, what's this movie called? Requiem for a Dream, huh? Holy shit. And so we watched Requiem for a Dream at a 
church kid get together at probably the house of one of the more religious families. And then at the end, there was just kind of silence. Yeah. And then the girl who brought it was like staring at the floor and she just said, it's, it, it sounded like a nice movie. The, oh. The title, the title sounded so nice. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I, I feel an immense amount of pity for that girl. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I, hey, I'm glad I watched it. Great movie. I came. Oh. I, I was like, great pick. That was awesome. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. we're talking about Dead Alive, yes, which was directed by Peter Jackson, um, written by Peter Jackson, Stephen Sinclair, and Fran Walsh, starring Timothy Balm, Diana Penalver. Uh, terrible Spanish. <laughs> Elizabeth Moody and Peter Jackson in a small part as the creepy Undertaker's assistant. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Amanda, would you like to tell us what happens in this movie? I would love to. Overprotective mother Vera Cosgrove spying on her grown son Lionel as he visits the zoo with the lovely Paquita is accidentally bitten by the fearsome Sumatran rat monkey. When the bite turns his beloved mother into a zombie, Lionel tries to keep her locked safely in the basement, but her repeated escapes turn most of the neighbors into the walking dead, who then crash a high society party thrown by Lionel's boorish Uncle Les. That really undersells this movie quite a yeah, bit. Yeah, it really does. That's that's a generic uh, Google description that really does not do justice to the film. <laughs> uh some things you might find in this movie are uh, lunchtime corpse fornication, mm-hmm. kicking ass for the Lord, absolutely, anthropomorphic intestines, mm-hmm. and of course, questionable, questionable parenting, parenting, aka an abundance of mother love. Yes. Uh, as a place to start. <laughs> Where? Where is do, the place to start with this? Do you think this is the most intense version of questionable parenting we have seen thus far? Ooh. Because not only does this movie feature a Norman Bates and mother sort of smothering, yeah, smothering yeah. type relationship, but uh, uh, even after she's dead, she comes back to life and controls his life to the point of, um, well, then we find out that she actually murdered her husband and her husband's lover. Uh-huh. And then at the end of the movie, uh, she turns into this gigantic, like weird, big breasted chicken monster type thing. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. opens opens up her stomach, yeah. and tries to essentially pull him back yeah, into her womb. She tries to unbirth him. Yes, ooh, that's a good word for it. <laughs> that's all I could think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I would say, in terms of if we're taking if we're taking what happens in this movie literally, and mm. I don't know how else we can take it. Just not a lot of metaphor <laughs> in this movie, I don't think. But then, yes, I think thus far, at least, this is the most egregious example of truly questionable parenting i think so uh <laughs> this move I, there's a word that i came across recently uh i th- it was on another podcast i think it was mm. at least this is what i think that they said okay and i hope it's what they said okay. because if it's not i'm stealing it and i'm copywriting it okay they referred to it was i believe it was nightmare university podcast which is very good huh. uh they referred to a movie as splat stick Mm. which I think is a very good way to describe this movie. Yes. As obviously being a mix between a splatter film and a slapstick <laughs> comedy, which is absolutely what this is. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is, as I said, I haven't seen it in a while. I forgot exactly how gross this movie is. 
and it revels in its grossness. This movie was so gross. Yeah. I, I will say to anyone who might be listening to this prior to watching this movie, do not let the fact that it came out in 1992 fool you. Even if the effects aren't the most like quote unquote realistic that you've ever seen, I guarantee you they are the grossest. Yeah, it's it is. I was gonna say it's it's quantity over quality, but they're they're not bad. <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're all pretty good. When you put them in in the time frame that they were made, yeah. they're actually really good. I actually don't know how much money this movie cost, but oh, yeah, I don't know. It's. It's they're not skimping on stuff. It's it, and, and if they are, they're doing a brilliant job of, of of masking that and pulling it off anyway. Yeah, there's the thing that happens towards the end in the big, you know, I don't know what you would call it, the but brouhaha. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that I don't remember. I it was one. I a lot of these gags in this movie are very well ingrained in my brain because of how unique they are. Yeah, they're the very one that unique. I didn't remember that I actually had to go rewind and watch again because I wasn't sure how they did it mm-hmm. was when the guy gets his whole face pulled off like oh a hat. Oh my god. <laughs> when he gets his face degloved. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Like as though his face were a mask. Yes. They pull it off. Yeah. And he's got <laughs> I love you know, when he's a zombie and he stands up and it's just like Rrr! Yeah. <laughs> the like skinless bloody face. But I was watching it and it happened very quickly and it looked yeah. so good. I was like, how the hell did they do that? And I, I went back and you say, oh, he's waving his arm and one of the arm waves, they, they right, cut, right. They, you know, the face, they, they changed some, the bodies but, 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 but the cuts, like, obviously they do a lot of these sort of like gross, uh, grotesque, like zombie murdering people uh, gags with, you know, by using cuts, mm-hmm. but they do it fairly seamlessly in yeah. a lot of them. Yeah. Like, it, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, you've got like movies like even hot, big budget movies like Alien, mm-hmm. where famously i don't know i don't know if you you remember there's uh when they bring ash's head back to life yeah and it's like clearly a dummy yeah 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 and then there's a hard cut where it's it's clearly (laughs) his uh, head just like built into a thing yeah even big budget movie like hollywood movies sometimes don't look that good but a lot of they they cover that stuff pretty well but we might be getting ahead of ourselves probably as usual yeah um the first thing that stood out is to me in this movie is that the opening scene takes place on skull island from uh, King Kong. In 1957. In 1957. uh, King Kong clearly being a big favorite of Peter Jackson's. Yeah, I I don't think I'd put that together until I was watching this and was like, well, fuck, all right. Yeah, he went on, of course, to make a very long King Kong movie (laughs) that one of my friends reviewed as I fell asleep in the middle of it and I woke up and I didn't realize I missed anything. (laughs) So take that for what what you will. Um, I, I... not to get too into uh, the social commentary uh, <laughs> angle of our of our show, but <laughs> such uh, as it is, did you did you find the? It's fa- there's some fairly problematic uh, <laughs> representations of native people. Let's put it that way. At the beginning, I wish I wish the people listening to this could see your face as you were trying to. I don't, yeah, I was trying to figure out how the best delicately way to say not that, accuse know. Peter Jackson of racism. I don't see. I don't know if I would. I wouldn't go that far because it's just so goofy. You it, know, it is. It's it's clearly like a pastiche of of lots of other movies, especially those sorts of like big monster movies and, and yeah. things that were actually more popular immediately post nineteen fifty seven when yeah. this movie is supposed to take place. Um, but but to answer to answer or to respond to what you were saying, yeah, they're they're pretty problematic portrayals of, of everybody who's not white yeah um 
I mean, to be fair, mm. they're not super generous to the people who are white either. <laughs> No, no, that's very true. Like like the the quote unquote like best white person is Lionel. Yeah. Uh, and he's uh he's got some issues, shall we say. I would actually say Paquita is like the best. Yeah. (laughs) I love Paquita. Yeah. That was that was one to uh, you know, uh jumping to her. Mm. Uh you know, very tropey portrayal. I kinda hate that word, but um she's this uh I I didn't know there were Latin people in New Zealand, but I guess there are. I mean, and probably. She's got this grandmother who is like a weird witch fortune teller sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I got the vibe that she was she was a Latin ex of some sort yeah. and her grandma was maybe not. Sure. I don't know cuz yeah. her, her grandma seemed more like Eastern European. Yeah, she she, to me she in feels terms like her accent. Yeah, she feels yeah. like a a traditional movie kind of like gypsy character. Yes. Like uh, yeah. the woman from The Wolfman or something. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, you know, in there they give you this w- weird sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, exotic, ethnic, uh, <laughs> vo- I'm using voodoo as a catch-all, but you know what I mean, like a spiritual. Yeah, like, like a mysticism. Mysticism, there yeah, we go. Yeah. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, which, yeah, now probably doesn't fly super well. But again, yeah. it, this movie is so tropey and so like reveling in the silliness of monster movies that it's like yeah. it feels like they needed to do that. I, I Yeah, I, I feel like because this movie is trying in in certain ways to kind of be an homage to those sorts of movies mm. and recall those sorts of movies while adding on... It, it's an interesting movie because it combines a lot of different pieces, like yeah. subgenre pieces of horror movies as a big umbrella. Yeah. Like you do have the vibe of those, like those movies that came out in like the sixties and early seventies that took place in like the late fifties, early sixties. It, it captures that vibe through its setting and, and through the sort of conceit of this, you know, horrible monster creature from a strange Eastern Island. Mm-hmm is brought into civilization. Um, and then, yeah, it also kind of plays with those more like evil dead sort of like gory zombie splatter films altogether. So I, I think it can get away with a little more of leaning into those, yeah, those stereotypes and tropes and, and having it be like, yeah, like a gloss of earlier films. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I, well, I mean, I don't know the man, but I don't think Peter Jackson is a racist, probably, so. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't know him either, so I don't know. But yeah, there, it's definitely, I think, I think watching a movie like this in 2020, where mm. so much of this stuff is like in the cultural conversation sure, all the time, exactly, we yes. can't help but feel a twinge of, of, of sort of discomfort and yeah. guilt, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I've watched this movie... Again, I haven't watched it in a long time. Mm-hmm. I've, I've watched this movie countless times. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever even thought about that. Yeah. So clearly it's it's in the air. Right. So it's, you know, it's right. a and different time. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with sort of acknowledging that, like, this toes a line, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, horror movies are kind of meant to be transgressive, so. Exactly. Yes. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm I mean, board. you know, later in the movie, they, what's his name? Lionel goes to a veterinarian. <laughs> Who, who is, is a Nazi? Who is a literal scientist? Nazi? Because 
<laughs> he he at a certain point he turns around and catches his lab coat yeah. and it tears off and you see a uh, swastika Which, underneath his shirt. It was like I knew before that happened that he was obviously a Nazi. Oh yeah, and yeah, then when that happened, I was like, well, I'm glad we're making the subtext. Yeah, text. he's like he's like Doctor Strange, love yeah. to to eleven. Right, and that that that's the thing that was interesting to me with this movie is that so many of the pieces, whether they're sort of these broader set pieces like uh skull island or uh the cosgrove's house mm-hmm. um great house yeah great house or or the 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 veterinarian's lab they and the characters themselves they're all recalling these like bigger uh kind of iconic horror movies and thrillers and and sort of just weird weird movies like like um yeah the doctor strange love mm-hmm. and then Definitely the psycho yeah. Norman Bates and and his his mother. That's well, a heavy shadow over this. Oh, I definitely. Like. Yeah. yeah. What I what I find interesting about this movie, um, and just to get it out of the way, uh, <laughs> what happens in this movie is uh, mm. the uh, Sumatran rat monster gets brought back to New Zealand and bites <laughs> Lionel's mother, which then turns her into a zombie. Which then uh, she starts essentially falling apart, literally, yes, and infecting other people in various ways, which need to be seen to be believed. Yes, and he will not kill her. Lionel cannot, right. cannot bring himself to kill her, or most of the other zombies. So he just kind of herds them into his basement. Which is one of my favorite parts of the movie is that <laughs> yeah. it's it's uh, one of the things that these movies uh, tend to forget. Mm. Is that, or at least I, I don't know if they tend to forget them, but I prefer the prefer it when they were when they decide to do this, which is when they keep ratcheting up what's the not the tension, but like what they're putting on their character. Yeah, and like once the ball starts rolling, it just keeps rolling. Yeah. Like that's what I loved about the original Evil Dead mm-hmm. is that there's really no way to win in that movie. It just gets <laughs> harder. And harder and crazier and crazier and crazier and crazier. And then Ash wins basically by accident. Yeah. And at the end, he kind of doesn't even win, yeah. d- depending <laughs> on how you true. read the movie. That's true. And uh, like, I don't know if you ever saw the remake of Evil Dead. No, but I didn't. It's it's worth watching. Okay. Um, but the, where I kind of felt like that movie lost its footing was it didn't have that sense of the ball kept rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling yeah. and there wasn't time to explain stuff. It was just like, no, these things are evil and they're coming yeah. to get you. <laughs> and this movie does a really great job of keeping that going because once the zombies start showing up, it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And oh, yeah. like when you think it can't get any crazier, it gets three times crazier. Yeah, yeah. It escalates. Yeah, like it goes from steadily. it. It starts off as a uh, weird creature from another island bites a woman and infects her with a disease that turns her it's into a an Sumatran sorry, rat monkey. Sumatra, Sumatran rat monkey <laughs> bites a woman, turns her into a zombie. That's the first mm-hmm. thing that happens. Yes, and the last thing that happens is this same woman has turned into the aforementioned giant weird chicken monster, mother monster, mother monster, and opens up her stomach to eat her son it's it's a it's a crazy movie <laughs> oh and did, did we mention that this is on top of the roof of her burning yes. mansion house yeah while a horde of other zombies that they have created uh and variously goopified or dismembered are burnt below them yes yeah yeah um this movie 
it, I can say this movie uh, delivers. <laughs> A hundred percent. Yes. A hundred percent delivers. Usually you go into these movies. I, I go into these movies thinking like, all right, it'll have a couple things and it'll be over. This one just delivers all the way through. Yeah. It's like it, it just it's they they decided what they wanted to do. They wanted to make a crazy monster movie, zombie movie. Yep. And they just made the craziest one they could possibly think of. <laughs> yes, they did. And I personally think that this should be held as the standard for anybody who's trying to make a movie like this. You have to be at least this good or better. But I, I don't know how you... Yeah, I don't know. I it's, don't know. It's, it's tough. It, yeah, you got to figure out how to do it. It's kind of like once you've gotten to this point, where do you go from here? Yeah, it's well, <laughs> but it's like every time I see a new movie that comes out that's sort of in this vein. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this movie's crazy. And, my head, and from now on, now that it's back and fresh in my mind, I'm going to be like, yeah. but is it crazier than Dead Alive? Well, well didn't, didn't even like Sean... Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Sean. Simon Pegg say that this movie was like a huge inspiration for him with Shaun of the Dead. Oh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. That, I, yeah, I feel like absolutely. I read that somewhere. Yeah. I wish I remembered where. Well, because what, what is... I... F- feel like I this is kind of the truest successor to Evil Dead. Mm, oh, definitely. Because oh, yeah. that vibe, the 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 tone that they strike in more specifically Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, a lot of people have tried, I think. Yeah. And you know, the horror comedy thing is kind of kind of whatever. But this is Lionel is a very good analog for Ash. He's essentially yeah. Ash even more pathetic than Ash. Yeah, he's And Ash pathetic. is pretty pathetic. Um, <laughs> it features more gore and craziness than any of the Evil Dead movies. Yep. And uh, on the same kind of scale as the Evil Dead movies in style. And uh, he even uses a garden tool as a weapon at the end. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. I feel like for me, I was just so overwhelmingly distracted by like the obvious Norman Bates parallels yeah. that I, I, I registered that, but not as fully. Mm-hmm. Um, I just launched into talking about. Did you like the movie? I, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of the, between I video say, stores and I feel I, like I don't all the stuff in my mind. You, if you liked the movie, I think I can tell that you liked the movie. Uh, I, I I did. I did like the movie. It. it was, I'm sorry. I just I don't want to make it sound like I'm talking at you about. <laughs> Look, <laughs> listen, I, Amanda. I if you could quiet down, I need to tell you why this is a great movie. <laughs> I admire your enthusiasm. Oh, thank you. Um, but when when we when we had uh, hit our randomizer and this had popped up uh, last time we recorded, I remember talking to you and and you were like, "Have you seen this before?" And I said, "No." Like, "Oh, what is it? What is it about?" And you were just like, "Oh, you're in for it." And mm. I was like, "What?" <laughs> so I'm kind of glad you didn't tell me anything about it going into it. Um, it was kind of strange and bewildering but also really fun yeah. to go into it pretty blind like yeah. like obviously i had read like the very basic kind of synopsis of like what is this movie but i didn't realize how really insane it gets yeah um and yeah i was definitely i think i was thrown a little bit by the very beginning <laughs> when they're on skull island mm-hmm. and there's this like stereotypical turn of the century like adventurer dude yeah it's very raiders of the lost ark yeah yeah. and his like uh ethnic band of mercenaries or whatever (laughs) you want to call them Mm -hmm. and they're they're trucking this wooden cage made of like bamboo sticks and cloth on two poles and they're running away from you don't really know who at the time and when the when the like native tribe pops up and the hired help 
drops the box. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, like through that whole thing, I'm just sort of like, am I supposed to be taking this seriously? Am I supposed to be laughing at this? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? And then they drop the box and the guy pulls out like a Tommy gun. Yes. Yeah. Shoots over the heads of all, all of the indigenous tribesmen. And then chops the box free of the poles, hoists it up on his shoulder by himself. And then it's just like, all right, come on then. And runs down the hill. I was like, oh, okay. I see this movie is insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And from then on, I was just like, I was on board. I was, I was, I was on and ready for the ride because yeah. that is that it was the moment where I was just like, I think this movie's going to be weird. <laughs> and then uh, when they're in the Jeep and uh, said, said adventurer gets bitten mm-hmm. And they kick him out of the Jeep. And I forget the word they use for bite. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But they spot one. Like, he's just laying there. He looks totally fine and normal. And then they point at one. They're like, yeah, there, there's one. And they chop off his hand. And then they look over and they say, there's one. And there's one on his other arm. And then all of a sudden, one just kind of appears on his head. Mm-hmm. And they decapitate him. And then the, like, opening credits roll. I was like... Yeah, this is really insane. Well, my favorite part of that is that they <laughs> they complete their job after they yeah. kill after they kill the guy. They yeah. deliver the thing to and wherever the, it's supposed to yeah. go. Yeah, and the, <laughs> At least and the that's one what guy they imply, has like anyway. the, the money. He's handed the money, like kind of holds it over his head and runs back to his friends with it. It's yeah. like, all right, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you like this kind of these kinds of horror movies generally, like the the big gore splatter films? I think I have to be in the right mood. Yeah. Yeah, like like I I have to in in this case it worked out well for me despite my not really knowing but usually i kind of like to know yeah i kind of like to know going into it like that i'm supposed to take this like sort of like quasi facetiously Mm -hmm. and it's sort of tongue-in-cheek yeah um you find out very quickly that the tongue is arguably through the cheek in this movie (laughs) yes yeah 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 it 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 showed its true colors pretty quick. Yeah. Which I appreciate for the, from this kind of movie. I, I, I like not being strung along. Like I'm supposed to be like act, treating this really seriously and getting like super emotionally invested. And mm-hmm. I don't think that's, that's what the point of this movie is. It's, it's not to get you emotionally invested in the characters. It's just to take you on a really bizarre, right. crazy ass story. Yeah. I mean, the love story is generated by, I mean, the, the Paquita, <laughs> Wants to date the cool, hot delivery guy, she pharmacy is guy. Ready for any man, yeah, that she chooses. Yep, which is great. I'm, I'm all for it. She seems like like she's got a goal in mind. Yeah, and she needs a dude to get there, so she's gonna go find herself some some dude. Yeah, and uh, the uh, the one she wants isn't paying her any attention, and so her weird gypsy grandmother. <laughs> I love the scene. <laughs> where where the guy she wants he's like a doctor or whatever mm-hmm. and he leaves and as he he's leaving and, and she's all like swooning and smiling at him and if you look over her shoulder her grandma's in the background like <laughs> just looking real fucking creepy it's the best i love the grandma uh but yeah the, the love story in the movie is generated not by them like having a meet cute where they fall in love with each other it's no. the grandmother saying no, you want this guy, this yeah. nerd guy. Yeah. Or I should say, it's not even that. She she pl- pulls a tarot card with a symbol on it. Yes. And then when Lionel, the doofus, comes in, he knocks over a thing of licorice, and it ends up accidentally making the symbol. So that yeah. is 
that is what starts her down the road, unquestioning from <laughs> yeah, that point on. Yeah, yeah. She, she's one hundred percent in right yeah. away. Like the only the only time in which she's not like fully in it with Lionel is when he breaks up with her. Right, and she tries to sort of half heartedly move on, and she can't do it. And she does get to date briefly the cool doctor pharmacist guy. You mean the most boring man in the world? All he does is talk about rugby, which oh, I thought was funny. <laughs> my God, I had flashbacks oh no just you know dating in your early 20s mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these things happen i dated a lot of rugby players <laughs> I, I didn't date any rugby players but i have definitely dated that person who only wants to talk about their one thing right yeah and has no idea that they have never asked you a single thing about yourself yeah do you don't have you watched the show Sex Education. I feel like I've no, brought this no, up before. No, no, you mentioned it to me that I should, but I haven't. There's a character on there who this one girl is infatuated with, and when she starts to, when she finally gets to hang out with him, yeah, all he does is talk about the Rubik's cube because he's like ranked 34th in the world <laughs> at the Rubik's cube. Wait, I think I know this guy. <clears throat> yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, I I know I know that kind of person too. It's yes, very yes. We, we've all we've all we've all met that person. We've all also probably been that person at oh, some I'm point sure. in our lives. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I was that person when I was like, hey, new person, have you seen Dead Alive? <laughs> you would love it. What? Yeah, everyone would love it. Yeah. Who wouldn't love it? Um, yeah. Th- you know, what's what's fun about this movie is they kind of take the idea of the Sam Raimi Evil Dead movies where he uh, – Sam Raimi's no um, – he doesn't keep a secret that he loves slapstick humor mm. and works a lot of that stuff in there. And I feel like Peter Jackson just took that ball and ran with it where this yeah. movie is like, it's not even, it's not just like uh, every now and like an evil dead where every now and then a monster will do something weird and there'll be like a three stooges sound effect. Yeah. It's this one. It's like, it's like they took traditional comedy setups, like yes, three stooges type setups where yep. it's uh Oh, the important people are coming over for dinner, so we have to make sure we're on our best behavior. <laughs> yep. Or even romantic comedy setups with uh, Lionel and Paquita. Yeah. And they just ran those through the splatter filter. Yeah. And so instead of, uh, you know, instead of the Three Stooges making a mess behind the dowagers, the wealthy dowagers back and getting into a pie fight, mm-hmm. you've got these undead creatures with their faces falling off while Lionel <laughs> is trying to walk these. I forget what the na- what the group is called the the women's league or something W L W the W L W L W L W yeah I whatever yeah. Is, yeah they're coming over it's, for it's lunch the women's oh, fuck who fucking cares yeah, whatever yeah <laughs> uh, they're coming over for lunch with with his mother but his mother's already basically a corpse and her face yeah. is falling off yeah she can barely speak yeah and you know. And it's that thing where the two people who are there are like delightfully oblivious to the disgusting stuff that's happening while Lionel is running around behind, but trying to keep everything together. Of of the couple that came for for dinner or lunch or whatever, the wife was pretty aware. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the husband, not so much. The husband, completely not. (laughs) He's like eating the the, um, custard with her like gross like pus and blood in yeah. it and like doesn't even notice and the best part of that she's scene eating her own ear the best part of that scene not even is not even a gag it's when they're talking about what they need to do for like the next season and he just slams the table and goes we need another war yeah. <laughs> yeah. what the hell yeah 
Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, so th- this movie is really interesting because the time period matters a lot. Yeah. Because it 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 just it gives you a general aesthetic. It tells you something about how people are expected to behave. Although it does I I do wonder everything in this movie is so jacked up. Um, style and everything and I would I unless New Zealand in 1992 looked like the 50s in America <laughs> I feel like that was probably jacked up too oh yeah 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 no but 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 I but I think it is that like taking the the, the period to the extreme sure like, like sure. heightening all of it yeah. is what makes it extra important because mm-hmm. they're not trying to like smooth it into the background and make it like Oh, this is probably in the fifties, but it could really be any time. They're mm-hmm. they're like amping all of it up. They're they're going super campy with a lot of it. Right. Like if this movie were set in nineteen seventy seven. Oh my god, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Why are you an idiot? It never occurred to me that this movie takes place in the fifties. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't even I never realized that. I just thought it was a style choice that everyone was, you know, it was like the 90s. The swing was back and popular again. It didn't, it has never occurred to me that this Clay, takes place in the 50s. Clay, do you want us to edit this out? No, I think this needs to be heard because I'm an idiot. This is my favorite thing that's ever happened. Wow. <laughs> yes, that that is what I was getting that at. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, continue. I'm Now I'm really interested. Even more so than I was before. Well, I was, what I was, what I was trying to say, and I was kind of confused why you were like sort of disagreeing with me. I was like, but it is in the fifties. Yeah, I'm dumb. <laughs> Look, you watched this for the first time when you were how old? Oh, I don't know, fifteen. Years don't matter yeah. when you're fifteen. Anything before like two years prior is a long ass time. And to ago. be fair, do they ever actually say it? Yes. When do they say it? Well, in the very opening title cards where they go and get the Sumatran rat monkey. I can't read. <laughs> I'm not explain- a loser. This explains why you had such a hard time with A Quiet Place. All the subtitles <laughs> are just meaningless to you. <laughs> um, no, but I, but I, but I think that, that it, it, it does such a... That's why I think it, it does such a great job with the sort of psycho mm. Norman Bates sort of thing. Because it's supposed to be taking place in the same time period. Um, I know that now. now um, and there are, le- there, you know, there are like rules. There are rules of decorum. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that are considered like normal and not normal that are pretty rigid in the 50s. Right. Um, like, I keep wanting to call him Norman. Lionel. God, I'm such a moron. <laughs> I just thought it was a choice. Just a purely aesthetic choice yeah, to know, make everything people, look like it's 1950. People were doing 50s stuff. And then, I don't know, Brian Setzer was popular. I mean, everybody was like uh, listening to those songs that are now played before IMAX movies in the uh, exactly. Jordan scene. Exactly. You and me <laughs> and the bottle makes three tonight. Mambo number five. Um, you know, the guy was German. What? Yeah, Lubega is German. But he has a... What? Now who doesn't know what's going on? 
equal. It would be amazing if you were lying. I'm not. I'm 100% serious. <laughs> but it would be amazing if you were lying just to be like, see, and here's the thing you didn't know. Anyway, I'm sorry. Back to it's okay. the aesthetic but, but of the even, 50s. But even, even like why is there a Nazi veterinarian just like hanging out in the town? It's because, you know, after World War II, those guys who weren't caught had to go somewhere. And most of them went places like New Zealand, Australia, and South America. To be fair, for me... <laughs> The rest of this podcast is going to be just me rubbing in the ways in which Clay should have realized. To be fair, <laughs> for my own sake, yes, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for this movie not to specifically take place in the 50s oh, and sure. it just be an aesthetic joy. It's pretty silly. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 don't, I don't think the time period... I'm not trying to dispute anything you're saying. No, I'm just trying no. to make myself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It's okay. Um, no, I, I, but I, I just I think the time period, like setting it in that time period beca- with all the connotations of like the 1950s way of life. Sure. Like the family unit and how you had to act in public and everybody was sort of like prim and proper mm-hmm. and like men went out with their hats on and, you know, women had to like dress up a certain way every day and just like. You know, all all of the 1950s sort of trappings, I think, make this, the commentary in this, like, really fun. Yeah. Like, you know, respect your mother and father and all right. of that. And, and it's a it's a very, to pick that time period and to make a movie this subversive yes. is yeah. definitely, I know now, it's definitely <laughs> a conscious decision. <laughs> this is my favorite thing that's ever happened. I've just lost all of my integrity. <clears throat> I think you would have lost your integrity if you had tried to pretend that you did not misunderstand. Yeah, I'm real glad I figured it out. <laughs> Otherwise, this would have been a really weird conversation. This would have gotten very, very This strange. would have been 15 minutes of me arguing that 1992 was pretty weird, too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, knowing what I know now, uh, that is a, that is a very interesting choice of, of a setting because it is, it is a yeah. very, um, well, it's supposed to be like a, you know, wholesome, yeah. like, it, yeah, it's kind of this shorthand for like an innocent time. Yeah. And Peter Jackson's movies before this, before he became an acclaimed, he, he probably has one of the most interesting film careers of anybody I've seen. Yeah. It's similar to David, it's like David Cronenberg jacked up to 11, Yeah, where David Cronenberg started his career with these kind of weird, high-concept, gory sci-fi movies, mm-hmm. and eventually there was kind of a line in the early 90s yeah. where he moved into more kind of weird psychological thrillers and has kind of gotten more normal, kind of. He makes kind of like weird, dark dramas, but they're, yeah. not, they're not as fun as they used to be. Yeah, that's Peter fair. Jackson's first like three or four movies were... Bad shit insane. Yeah. I, have you seen Bad Taste or Meet the Feebles? <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> That's how everybody should respond to have you seen Meet the Feebles who have seen Meet the Feebles. I don't know if you remember. I, I, I forget if it was, um, you know, Clay and I and a bunch of our friends all get together around uh, 4th of July and New Year's Eve. We all sort of have like a big group tra- tradition. We all hang out together for a few days mm-hmm. uh, on an isolated mountain in New Hampshire. In the 50s. In the 50s. Um, but one of the more recent get togethers such as that, uh, our friend Sean Cordy put meet the feebles on and, uh, I lasted about 15 minutes. Yeah. It's not a great movie. It's real bad. Yeah. But that and his first movie, 
which is literally called bad taste. You know, he's got, he clearly has a sort of a very subversive kind of punk rock sensibility about the way he's doing stuff. Which I had no idea because, because I, I was fairly young when the first Lord of the Rings movie came out. Mm-hmm. And so to me like that, that's what this guy has done. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. He did uh, those three. I can't remember if he's got another. Well, I got the thing right here. I may as well look. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, 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 I was having this conversation earlier with my husband and he was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he went straight from like this movie to the first Lord of the Rings movie. And I was like, shut the fuck up. That's not true. <laughs> um, so he did. Greg, you're wrong. <laughs> he did Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, Dead Alive, which are all. Very weird, very subversive. Uh, there's actually a lot of Meet the Feebles in this. Meet the Feebles I can is see all. That. Both of the first two movies are very puppet heavy. Yeah. Um, and Meet the Feebles is, is essentially like a weird, uh, skeezy 42nd Street movie featuring Muppets, essentially. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like what if the Muppets <clears throat> show, but drugs. Yeah. And uh, and Dead Alive has a lot of puppetry in it, whether yeah. it's the baby. A little bit of claymation. If you in guys there didn't too. know, there's. A zombie gives birth to a zombie baby in this movie who then runs amok eventually in a scene I forgot about tearing his way through the the front of a woman's face from the back and it it's one of the best things I've ever seen but we'll get into some of that stuff and we could talk about that in a minute <laughs> so he did uh bad taste meet the feebles dead alive and then he did heavenly creatures which is okay. a lot more like uh, sober, I guess is a word to use. It's a weird. I actually haven't seen yeah. it, but I know it's it's not it's not I those mean, other three. This this movie makes you feel like you're on a bunch of drugs. So. Yeah, yeah. Heavenly Creatures is uh, is I believe famous for being Kate Winslet's first movie. Oh, or one of her first movies. Probably a super downer. Yes, I believe it is. <laughs> um, and then he does uh, the Frighteners, mm. which have you seen the Frighteners? Yes, a lot of fun. That's yes. like. That's like his first real kind of Hollywood thing where he's kind of taking his sensibility, weird comedy sensibility, kind of making a more mainstream movie. Um, And then he makes Lord of the Rings. That's his next movie is Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Fun story. Trivia corner. Um, uh, The Frighteners involved a lot of CGI. Mm -hmm. And so he had to essentially build a CGI company in New Zealand where he was making the movie. That company became Weta which is oh. the company that did all the Lord of the Rings stuff. Yeah. And the reason that they did Lord of the Rings is because after they did the Frighteners, he was like, I have this giant production, special effects production company. I got to do something with it. Huh. So then he essentially used Weta as an excuse. Well, Weta was the um, catalyst to start his push to do Lord of the Rings, essentially. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's he does these three really weird splatter really weird subversive punk rock movies and then he kind of evens out um but it's it's the probably the strangest tonal shift i've ever seen yes. in, a, in a filmmaker's career yeah yeah it's a very uh the the breadth of sort of genre and style in his filmography is like I, it just it just doesn't it doesn't even make sense to me like i don't yeah. even like i see a progression between like sets of like three to five movies you can sort of see how he gets from like point a to point like mm-hmm. d mm-hmm. or whatever but but after that then he just kind of switches completely and you're like how did we get here where did this come from yeah i kind of feel a little bit 
feel bad isn't the word to use. Be I phrase, don't feel bad for him. No, I don't feel bad for it. But it's like he made Clay, three, he made the Lord of the Rings, right? He has more money than God. I understand. At this point. I understand. But from a creative standpoint. <laughs> He made Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Look, you sympathizing with men who are obviously psychopaths throughout the course of this podcast is, a is getting yes. deeply concerning. He made three Lord of the Rings movies, which <laughs> took like five, ten years out of his life or something. And then he does and King Kong. him one billion dollars. Yeah, but you know, you can't buy creative satisfaction, you know? <laughs> so he makes King Kong, whatever. I don't think anybody really cared. I think he was creatively satisfied by it. Sure. But then he makes three <laughs> Hobbit movies that I feel like he probably didn't want to make. And then he's that's kind of it. So he spent like the last 15 <laughs> years. Kind of well, he did that World War One documentary, which is really good. And yeah. I think he was creatively satisfied by that. But again, that was like, <laughs> I won't get into that. Well, that's a very different podcast. Uh, but it's like he spent 15 years of his life making Lord of the Rings movies. He spent 15 years of his life making more money than we could ever imagine. <sighs> Amanda, it's not all about cash. I mean, but it's mostly about it. I bet I bet when he was in the edit bay for The Hobbit Part 3, thinking to himself, you know, wiping the sweat off of his forehead with $100 bills. <laughs> I bet he was thinking to himself, man, what I wouldn't give, I'd give it all up to make bad taste too. He has the money where he could do that. That's now true. He, he, he might. He, maybe he yeah, did. Maybe I don't know. He did. Maybe, maybe he's he like Prince right now, and he's got like that oh, vault like a, full like, of yeah, stuff like that backlog. he's just never he's come just out. Going to wait yeah. until there's an he sh- Prince has shot entire movies that have yeah. gone that are just in there and they've never come out. Yeah, probably and then, probably because they're bad. Hey, I'm sorry. Prince hey. is a genius. Thank you. <laughs> he wasn't great at everything though. Look, Most look, things. Look. Anyway, that's a different podcast too. So I was going to talk about uh, the – well, first I'll talk about the music. Mm. Don't love the music. I think the music really? is very well written. Mm-hmm. But – and like the piano parts are really nice. Yeah. But it's got that thing that like early early era synth synth string sound, which I, I, can't, I can't stand it. Because okay. every time that I hear that, I think bad movie. Because it's because it's usually it's like oh we it's a cheap movie we got one guy in a synthesizer making the music and instead of doing like a John Carpentery thing he's trying mm. to emulate an orchestra okay. and it always sounds shitty. Do you do you think that might be on purpose though? Um, maybe I don't know. It's a tough call in this era because it's like that stuff was fairly ubiquitous. Like mm. I think a lot of that stuff was going on. Okay. So I don't know if it's a stylistic choice or it's just like we can't afford Howard Shore right yet. Right, so like, like if this movie were being made fifteen years later and had that music, you would maybe feel a little more convinced by the idea that it's like a choice to yeah. emulate that sort of like yeah old probably. lower quality music. Whereas, given the time period, I don't think you should want to emulate that sound because I think it's a terrible sound. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I understand for for a movie that's trying to emulate so many other factors and sort of like twist them and turn them on their head a little bit. Mm-hmm. I could under I could understand if if that was a that was a thought. True, but, but yeah. I think you are. I know you are the uh, more musically inclined of the two of us. Oh, so come on. I I trust your opinion on that kind of thing. Yeah, it's just you know it's a it's a personal taste thing. Uh, yeah. But I do think I think the actual music is actually very nice. Yeah, there is some. It is. Uh, it's a lot more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not cheerful, but kind. 
You know, it's it's not horror yeah. movie music for for the most part. It's, there, there are a couple moments where where there, there's God, I wish I remembered exactly when it was, but there was a cut at one point where it sort of cuts to the exterior. It goes from like a daylight scene, and then it cuts to the exterior of the house with the moon moving out from behind a cloud and it mm-hmm. kind of hits this like organ sort of sure. horror movie haunted house yeah. music really hard and it was kind of a great cut because I, th- I think it might be the transition after uh the matheson's uh oh, from yeah. the wlwl come for like lunch or dinner or whatever i think it's i think it's the cut between the end of that scene and the beginning of the next yeah okay and it's kind of a great like because that's the moment where, like, you really know, okay, we have a zombie. Right. And then right. it cuts to this, like, yeah, kind, good of, point. kind of music. It's kind of fun. Yeah, I think it comes down that I just don't it, – it's the score is good. I just don't like it. <laughs> it yeah, I mean, it's also, it is a little all over the place because I think it is trying to trying to do what you – like what you said earlier where this movie takes – uh, like romantic comedy and all of these different yeah, genres, and then sort of runs it through music, this yes. this filter, and yeah, it tries to do that with the soundtrack too. Yeah, uh, which can make it feel a little bit scattershot. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, as for body count, I can't. Oh really... Oh my god, I don't know. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't really <laughs> equate what the night More didn't count. Than twenty. It, less yes. than 100 yeah at least i mean uh this that's is, a good way to say it yeah, yeah this is like a patrick bateman's like kill count when he tries to self-assess and he's like yeah 10 20 maybe 40 people i don't know yeah um so instead of that i i don't think we did a great job explaining what actually happens in this movie no, I mean, so i don't know if you have any things that stand out you would like to mention we didn't even mention uh the karate fighting priest which who has the immortal line? I kick ass for the Lord. It is the best line. Yeah, uh, who? Because <laughs> it's so unexpected. Because you meet that priest. Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> Poor uh, sweet Mother Vera. Buckle gets, in. Quote unquote, killed by a tram, <laughs> and so then they try to bury her. They do bury her. Uh, she zombies her way out of the grave, attacks a bunch of hooligans, and... 50s greaser punks, which makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> it's all coming together. Yeah. Uh, and while she does, the priest who had done her funeral kind of appears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, karate launches himself off of, like, a mausoleum or some shit, beats up a bunch of the punks, and then says... I kick ass for the Lord. And then he does until he is bitten by a zombified punk. Yep. And then he is a zombie. The nurse is a zombie. The mother is a zombie. The head punk is a zombie. And uh, Lionel tries to corral them all in his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually there is, let's just gloss over this and say some blackmail. Mm-hmm. Uh, his gross uncle and all of his weirdly sexual friends. It was the 50s, man. Uh, well, I, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I would be more, I would believe the overtly sexual everything from that group of people if it were the '60s. But whatever, what sure. do I know? Well, it was very repressed time. That's fair. Uh, while they're while they're there, the zombies break back out of the basement and just sort of. Everybody at the party gets yeah. bitten, and everybody gets infected, and they all turn. It turns into like a. I hesitate to use the word orgy, but it's like a blood orgy, essentially. <laughs> like a blood where orgy. It's just like it's a it's a uh, it's 
it's just like bit after bit of the Im- the, the zombie all, kills. Yeah, they're like all the, the, so the, inventive. The kills that the zombies perpetrate on the party goers as as the zombie ranks grow yeah. as they attack party goers just escalate. Yeah, there's like, a point where uh, the the greaser guy gets his intestines ripped out. The intestines come alive. Yeah, and they with start, like a face in everything. Yeah, and it's at one point weird. I think it farts, which is weird, but. That. Yeah, and so that starts chasing them, and uh, just to, to, I don't know if you had a couple things that they stuck out to you, but uh, some of <laughs> my favorites, some of my favorites are uh, when that one dude gets his entire rib cage pulled out. I have that one. That was great. Yep. Um, p- punching through the back of the oh, head, out through my the mouth, God. and then attacking the other girl. Unbelievable. With her friends. That's a, a perfect example of yeah. a great cut yeah. where it's like. You don't even see it happen. And then no, they, it's great. it was really like, and then there's the uh, the face getting just wholesale pulled off, yep. which we talked about earlier. Um, uh, the bone legs when they're pulling yes. the guy into the room, yes, like through the, like a doggy door or like a dumb waiter or mm-hmm. something, and he's like, "Help me, help me!" And he's like still moving his legs, but from like upper thigh down to his cowboy boots, his legs have just been gnawed to the bone, yep. but he's still somehow like wiggling them. <laughs> yep, you've got there's a there's a this one guy gets the top of his head cut off from like the it, from the mouth, so it's and just they like put from like the a garden gnome. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like the the top teeth up. It, his head is just on the ground, being like kicked around throughout the rest of the movie like a hockey puck. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's <laughs> or, the woman who gets pushed onto the lamp, the the yes, light. So I have a question. Lights her the, head up from the is inside. That the same? woman who gets punched through the back of the head i think it is i think so too yeah. like like there's already all over her mouth. Yeah, yeah and there's already the hole back there so it's just kind of like yeah, she just ex- gets kind of like boop, exactly like, put on the light bulb uh and the one that i forgot that they say that they essentially have on the front poster is the last <laughs> woman left who's about to be turned into a zombie outside of paquita outside of paquita um instead of just turning into another monster the this baby that his the zombie yeah, we baby gl- we glossed over the zombie baby yeah. twice crawls into the back of her head and pulls her face apart from the inside and then like pushes his face out through the hole yeah, in her forehead. But she's still kind of alive when it's <laughs> oh first my, happening. I've, I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. It's it, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a, it's kind of a lot. It's it, it's just kind <laughs> of a lot, and then it all culminates with Lionel. Showing up, he gets knocked out through a window, and he comes back uh-huh. with a lawnmower yes. roped to his chest, mm-hmm. a la Ash from Evil Dead. With the chainsaw. With the chainsaw. And he starts up the lawnmower <laughs> and just runs into everybody, and it just turns into just blood. Just liquefying. Gore, li- everything yeah. all over the place. Yeah. And then Paquita. <laughs> she puts the baby zombie in a blender. Yeah. And then at another it point, she. It is like she... a dead baby joke. Remember when dead baby jokes were a thing in like 2003? Yeah, the 50s. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a point where, uh, and then she ends up like pulling one dude's spine and using it like a baseball bat. It's just, it's, it's, you have to see it to believe it. Yeah. We, we could not possibly, we, we couldn't possibly describe all of the details of all the batshit insane this movie came out 30 years ago and i'm still reacting to it as though (laughs) i just saw it it every day i (laughs) i hope they do a re-release on the dvd because i want to be in the commercial this time and be one of those guys who are like you need to see this movie it's crazy it's the most blood i've ever seen in the movie believed 
Yeah. Uh, so so we kind of glossed over the fact that uh, when uh, kicking ass for the Lord, a uh, priest gets zombified. Uh, zombie priest and zombie nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. Yeah, apparently, because there is a baby who is. And then they have a baby. Yeah. A horrible zombie baby. Yeah. Which there is a scene where for some you just just there's no justification in the plot i can tell you why they did that scene i mean i can tell you why too in that it's hilarious to watch it true but um, the reason that they did it is because they came in under budget and so they had like forty thousand dollars left oh or something. God, really? so he said hey, let's shoot that and okay, it's so, his so favorite scene in the movie the scene that we're talking about is uh the zombie baby is born and it is obviously a grotesque little monster that craves human flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lionel does the reasonable thing, which is get it an adorable baby carriage uh, and take it to the playground, to the park and mm-hmm. try to treat it like it's a normal baby. And it escapes the carriage, of course, and starts trying to attack the other children and people around. And it results in Lionel having a kind of insane slapstick style fight with the baby yep. while like the nice neighborhood ladies watch on. Yes. While yeah. he like picks the baby up and sl- by the legs and like slams it into the ground and yeah. such. It's yeah. pretty good. It's pretty well done. It's, it's it's horrible to describe and hilarious to watch. Um so as a, as to to wrap it up. Uh, <laughs> how 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 do we I, wrap this up? I don't know. Um do you have any uh, final thoughts about this movie? Uh, I, I I don't really know what to say about yeah. this movie. Well, I guess I, in that case, let's go into uh, the placement. This was number 125. Mm. Um, kind of similar. I wouldn't say similar to American Psycho, but this is very much a has is a has a comedic bent to it. Mm-hmm. But I would absolutely still consider this a horror movie just because zombies are in it. Yeah. Um, more so than I would American Psycho. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Do you? How do you feel about the placement on the list? I think it's a little high. You think it should be closer to two hundred? A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like not, not by necessarily much. Maybe yeah. if you told me this was one forty, I would buy okay. it a little bit more. Sure, but it, it's just, um, I, I feel like it's fairly niche. Like I, I, I feel like there are people who like horror movies because they like to be scared. Sure. And if you if you like horror movies because you like to be scared, this is not the movie for you. This is not a scary movie. Yeah. I'm going to say it does not deserve its place on the list just because I just glanced at the list as you were saying that. Uh-huh. And it is almost 10 spots higher than John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. Which is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> I so... love this movie. But like if we're talking, this is either the 200 greatest horror yes, movies of exactly. all time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. not coming in higher than the thing, right? right. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't deserve to be on the list. In fact, I think it very much does deserve to be on the list. I do too. Yes, I just question the placement that close to the top half of it. Yeah, this you know they always on lists like these they always have. I always feel like the the first few that they they make it through are kind of like they're not like the serious contenders you know what i mean where mm. it, this feels like one of those where if if it was like 150 in the in that first yeah, group yeah. of 50 where it's like this is a notable movie yes this is uh it, it's fairly it's made by a fairly important filmmaker as right. far as you know the culture goes or right pop it's a bit goes. of a cult classic yeah it's a movie coming out of new zealand which is 
you don't see ton of them in yeah. America anyway. I'm sure yeah. obviously they make movies, but I mean, we've I didn't even know they had Latin people. So, <laughs> what year is it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. We've taught Clay so much on this episode. Yeah, I know. Jesus, <laughs> I'm gonna have to start a podcast talking about this podcast. Um, but yeah, it, I think it. I think it definitely deserves to be mentioned on this list it probably 125 again the thing being where it is yeah. probably should it should be lower yeah it's it's just sort of like if you if you take a quick scroll through the 75 that are rated closer you know between between it and 200 mm-hmm. there's just some on there where you're like what really yeah i I get. I have a lot of problems with this. Li- I mean, the fact that the thing is in the one hundreds. <laughs> the longer we, the more we do this podcast, and the more closely we look at this list, the more upset Clay gets. Yeah, I mean, if it's up to me, when we get to the thing, it's probably going to be me, me just making a case for an hour that the thing should be number two at the lowest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I, I, w- I don't think I would super disagree with that. Top top five, uh, easily, at least easily. You know, yeah. Uh, anyway, but we're talking about that a lot. <laughs> we're but, skipping way ahead. Um, yeah, I think that's gonna do it. I hit the randomizer, beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 and I came up for the next one, mm. number one hundred and thirty-one. Oh, which is Ginger Snaps. Ooh, which is a uh, yes. which is a very fun movie that I haven't watched in a while. I love it. Um, it's a werewolf movie. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Uh, do you have any? Where did final thoughts, I guess. We did. Um, But yeah, I guess that's going to do it for us for Dead Alive. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. You should. Watch it with a group of people. This is a perfect like group of people movie. Yes. I I think I watched this. I probably watched it at Sean's house for the first time. Uh, Probably. With all of our friends. I mean, your husband has seen it, so I probably watched it with him. Yes. These aren't really his thing. This is not really his thing. And even he was sort of like, oh, yeah, that one's fun. Yeah. Yeah, you just um, have to have um, a moderately strong stomach. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a great it's a great fun party movie for gorehounds uh, and even people who honestly yeah even people who aren't really into that thing it's silly and over the top enough. Yeah, but I feel like you can appreciate it. Yeah, for forewarn your squeamish friends, yes. reassure them. That Don't it's- eat any like cream of wheat. No, or, no pasta with tomato sauce right beforehand. Oh God! When he starts feeding, <laughs> when the when the oh, nurse like the nurse whose head has been almost oh, cut off no. is eating the custard no. or whatever, and it starts coming out her neck hole, and then he tips her head back and starts pouring it down the. Oh, <laughs> you gotta you gotta watch the movie anyway. We cannot we cannot do it justice. No, you really can't in, in words. No. Yeah. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. Thank uh, you for putting up with these shenanigans on this episode. Yes. This one has been a, a wild one. Uh, if you enjoyed it and you want to give us a rating or review on iTunes, that would be awesome. Uh, and we will see you next time with Ginger Snaps. Thanks, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye.